Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. But we spoke last week about the truth that God commands us to be joyful, that God wants us to experience joy, and, and that we wouldn't just experience happiness, but that we would experience joy. And let me tell you something about joy. You will not hear or see the word joy more than you will during the Christmas season. And, and, and see... I believe that the enemy works extra hard. You got to listen to this because this is the reason God brought some of you. The enemy works extra hard during Christmas time to steal your joy. Because the Christmas season is the one of the seasons where, where we are reminded of the joy that is available to us. Of the joy that, that changes life. So I want to ask you a, a question this morning. How full, how empty is your joy meter? Are you running low on joy? Are you high on joy? And, and, and here's a better question. What would those around you see would those around you see and say that you have joy? Or would they say, nah, he's, he's going through something. Nah, she's dealing with some stuff. You know, joy is mentioned eight times, at least eight times, depending on the version of the Bible you read, is mentioned eight times in the Christmas story. Joy is a big part of the Christmas story. And, and, and the Christmas story is filled with adversity, with needs, with confusion. But in spite of all these things, the Christmas story is ultimately a story of joy. Here's why. Because joy is a big part of the birth of Jesus. Joy is a big part of the, the, the Christmas story. And I want you to understand this this morning. Joy is a big part of your life. Amen. Your life will not be what God wants unless there's joy in your life. Last week we looked at this, but, but, but let me just review it really quickly show you the difference between happiness and joy because a lot of times we confuse happiness with joy and happiness uh well let me give you the the differences they're going to put them up here in the screen happiness and you can fill this out in your outline is based on what happens and we spoke about that last week we said that one of the the, the thieves that steal joy is circumstances and we spoke about the mentality that we can have to be able to have joy in spite of what's happening but joy is based not on what happens, but joy is, joy, joy is based on your choices. You choose to be joyful or you choose to be miserable. Happiness has to do with external circumstances, what's going on around us. And sometimes the people around us, they steal our joy. But joy has to do with my internal character. Joy has to do not with what people are doing around me, but what, but what, what I think inside of me. Happiness is temporary. We've all experienced temporary happiness. If you've been to Disneyland, you know what temporary happiness is. On your way there, 
and during your time there, you're happy. It's the happiest time. It's the happiest place on earth. But once you're walking out and you look at your wallet and your credit card statement, the happiness leaves, right? Because happiness is temporary. But joy, look at this. This is what the Bible teaches. Joy is long-lasting. Joy is supposed to last and endure through all things. Now, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if people were always joyful? Wouldn't it be great if your spouse was always joyful? You walked in and she was just joyful, or you walked in and he was just joyful. Wouldn't it be great if our parents were always joyful? Wouldn't it be great if our kids were always joyful? You know, wouldn't it be great if our coworkers were always joyful? So, so here's a question. Why aren't we always joyful? Why don't we always have joy? Well, here's the reason why. Because joy drips, oozes out of our life. Joy drips out of our life. And it's a, it's a constant decision that we have to make. And last week, we talked about three thieves that steal our joy. Today, what I want to do is I want us to look at, at, at Joseph and Mary, and I want us to look at two barriers. We want to look at two barriers, that, and, and, I, and I almost guarantee you that, that if you are not experiencing joy right now, it is due to one of these two barriers, because these two barriers, they deplete, they, they drain, they reduce the joy in our life. But here's the good news, because I don't just want to tell you what the problem is. The good news is that there's two choices you can make today to overcome those barriers and allow joy to be restored in your life. Can we look at those? So we're going to look first at the barrier, then we're going to look at the joy. Fill this out in your outline. The first barrier of joy is anxiety. Is anxiety. Anybody anxious this morning? You, you can't wait for the service to end because you have so much going on. What does anxiety look like? Well, when you're tense, when you're nervous, when you're stressed, when you're scared, when you're afraid. And if you are anxious, listen to me, you can't be joyful. You can't be anxious and joyful at the same time. If anxiety walks into your heart, what walks out of your heart? Joy. You know, when we think about the Christmas story, we often don't think about how stressful and how fearful the Christmas story or the Christmas experience was for Mary. Have you ever thought about what she went through? The Bible tells us that she was young. She was at least 13 and at max 15. She was a teenager. And I know teenagers think they know, but those when we're young, half. And people got married young in those days because they died young. All right? But, but when, when the angel appears to Mary, Mary's a teenager. And not only is she a teenager, but she's engaged. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what kind of engagement they had. She's engaged. She's a teenager, and she's engaged, and suddenly... She hears these news of a virgin birth. Suddenly, she's pregnant. How would you go about explaining that to your fiancé or your parents? It's 
Some of you, you've had to, and you know how fearful, how stressful that is. And that's not the end of the story, right? Because about three days before she's due, she has to travel by donkey to Bethlehem. You know, this Christmas, um, because we knew Nathan was going to be born around this time, Lorena is like a super organizer, so she wanted to get everything done before December came along. Like, buy gifts, wrap gifts, put up decorations, like everything, everything, you know? And, tra- and I remember, it was the Wednesday before the Thursday he was born, she goes, she calls me, she goes, Nestor, I think you need to come home. And I go, why? She goes, I'm starting to get contractions and we still have so many decorations to finish. (laughs) And we're hanging the Christmas tree and we're doing all these things and she's getting contractions. And I mean, it was painful for me. I could not picture what Mary had to go through. Those of you that have been pregnant, how would you like to travel by donkey three days before you're due? And you would think, all right, it's bad. No, it gets worse, right? Because she arrives to Bethlehem, and she can't find a decent place to have her baby. There's no inn. There's no accommodations for her. And, they, and she ends up having her baby where? In a manger. And that's not the worst part. It, it gets even a little bit worse because Mary has to give birth. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Mary has to give birth without her family around, without any doctors around. Ladies? How would you like to give birth without an epidural? Would you say you'd be stressful? Guys don't know what an epidural is. It's the salvation of all women when they're giving birth, right? Now, can you identify with Mary? Can you identify? Maybe you say, you know, there's so much going on in my life. My kids are rebellious. My marriage is not doing good. I'm not sure about the condition in my work. We might lose our... You know, I might be sick. And and there's so much going on that there's anxiety in your life. And you know, in the story of Christmas, there's another word that is repeated seven times, and that is the word afraid. Almost every time an angel appears, the angel has to say, do not be afraid. You know why? Because fear steals your joy. So the question is, well, Mary was under a lot of anxiety. Mary had a lot to fear, a lot to stress about. How did Mary respond to her anxiety and her fear? Well, here's the answer. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept his plan for her life. You want to have joy in your life when anxiety comes? Fill this out in your outlines. Choose to trust God and accept his plan for your life. That is the antidote. Prayer helps. Coming to church helps. But you need to make the choice to say, I can't control what's going on. I don't have a grip of all that is going on. I don't understand all that is going on. But I am going to choose to trust God and accept the plan that he has for my life. Let's, let's read the, the, the story in Luke 126, and um, let's look at the story. Read it with me. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. Anybody know who, who, uh, who uh, uh, Elizabeth also had a baby? Anybody know what his name was? 
Good. John the Baptist, right? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Look at this. Look how she responded at first. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. In other words, Mary, I am here to tell you that God has a plan for your life. That God has chosen you. And I want to tell you something. Just like God had a plan for Mary, God has a purpose for your life as well. You have a purpose. And listen, if you don't understand that, if you don't embrace the purpose that God has for you, you will go through life without joy. You will. In fact, many of us, many people in this room may be dealing with with a lack of joy because you are running away and you are ignoring the purpose that God has for your life. Let's continue reading. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him what? Jesus. He will, listen to this, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Let me stop right there. Everyone thinks their baby is great, right? I mean, we all think our baby is the best looking one. I have the best looking baby, so contest over, right? But, but the rest of you, you can argue over that, right? But we all think that our babies are great, that they're meant to do great things. Let me tell you something. Jesus was no normal child. The, the birth announcement of the birth of Jesus is one that, has, that hasn't been said about anybody else. Jesus is no normal child, so that increases the anxiety in Mary's life. I mean, I know that if somebody told you, hey, you're going to have... You're going to have a baby that is going to change the world. You would be excited, but then reality would hit you. Oh, my goodness, the responsibility. What if I mess up? What if I don't know what to do? Right? Let's continue reading. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? And that is the question that we always have, right? I am a virgin. How can I be pregnant if I haven't been with a man? Verse 35, the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be what? Holy. And he will be called the Son of God. I want to ask you a question. What are you anxious about this Christmas? What are you stressing about? What are you fearful about? Is it your finances? Is it your future? Is it your health? Is it your marriage? Is it that you don't want to be single and it feels like you might be single for the rest of your life? Is it that you, is it your job that is making you anxious? Is it your parents? Is it your kids? Let me tell you something. The way to defeat anxiety is to do what Mary did, to trust God and accept his plan for your life. 
Until you make that choice, you will continue to struggle and deal with anxiety. Look at what Luke 138 says. Mary said, I am the Lord's what? See, can I tell you something? A lot of times as Christians, we make the mistake, and instead of being the Lord's servants, we think we're the Lord's master. And we tell God what he needs to be doing for us, and when he doesn't do it, we get what? Angry. I'm not going to church. God isn't doing anything in my life. Well, what if he's doing what he wants to do? He says, I am the Lord's servant. And look at the next words. And I am willing to do whatever he wants. Have you ever said that to God? You know, I really think that's the answer to a lot of our issues. I guarantee you that in your marriage, if your, if your marriage is struggling, if you just said, God, we're willing to do whatever you want. Because we've been trying to do what we want, and it's not getting us anywhere. If you're single and you're struggling to, to find your purpose, if you ever tell God, God, I am willing to do whatever you want, I guarantee you your life would change. Because when we're young, we think we know what we want, but a lot of times we don't even know. You know what you, I've always said this about young people, and it's true about all of us when we were young. We know what we want at the moment, but we don't know what we're going to want tomorrow. Right? See, many today, many of us today might be afraid of the future because we are uncertain about the future. You know what's the best thing you can do? You know what you can do? You can trust the one who holds the future in his hands. And, and, and we get anxious because we can't control, because we don't understand. And the antidote to that, the antidote that restores the joy in our life is to say, Lord, I am going to trust you and I am going to accept the plans that you have in my life. Mary trusted God and accepted his purpose. And look at what Luke 147 says right there in your outlines. This is Mary speaking. He says, my spirit finds its joy in who? In God, my Savior. Mary found her joy in God. When you trust God and when you accept his plans, you can find joy in God. So my question for you this morning is, where are you trying to find your joy? Are you trying to find it in your Christmas bonus? Are you trying to find it in the gifts you might receive? Are you trying to find it in the Christmas vacation you might get? See, when you put your joy in anything else other than God, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. You are setting yourself up for anxiety. Learn to find your joy in God. By the way, joy can only be found in God. Happiness can be found in other things. But you don't want happiness. You want what? Joy. Because you can be happy and your wife could take that away from you. But you can be joyful and no one can take that away from you. That's the difference. So, so listen, if this Christmas you're anxious, you're afraid about something, your health, um, the uncertainty of something, put your trust in God and say, Lord, I am going to trust who you are, I am going to trust that you're loving, that you're kind, and that the plans that you have for me may not be the ones I want for myself, but that they are good plans for my life. Do you believe that? Here's the second barrier. Let's look at the second barrier. The second barrier of joy is resentment. It's resentment. 
Question, where does resentment come from? Resentment comes from when we're hurt or where we're wounded. And let me tell you something. We've all been hurt. Words have been said to us that have pierced our heart. Things have been done to us that have pierced us emotionally. You may have been hurt physically or sexually. And and if you have, I am sorry. I just want to say that I'm sorry. Maybe you've been hurt because you've been rejected or you've been betrayed. And, And I just want to say that I am sorry this morning. But the truth is that we've all been hurt. Here's another truth. The truth is that we've all also hurt other people. Isn't that true? And, and I know that what we remember is what is done to us, but I think we all need to take a time to think, well, I've hurt other people. I've said things, I've done things, I've, I've rejected, I, I've maybe I have betrayed. And listen, hurt is a part of life because we live in a fallen world filled with imperfect people. So the big question is how are you going to respond to hurt? How are you going to respond when people hurt you? And if you respond with resentment, you will become bitter and angry. If you're bitter and angry, chances are that you have a lot of resentment in your heart. Because when you can, are not willing to forgive, when you want to, 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 when you want revenge, when you want the person that made you feel bad to feel bad, you have to take on an ugly nature, and that nature suddenly becomes your character, and it starts and it starts spreading to other people that didn't even hurt you. In the story of Christmas, have you ever considered how hurt Joseph was when he got the news of Mary's pregnancy? Have you ever considered how betrayed he may have felt? How offended he may have felt when his fiance tells him, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Now, the Bible tells us that they were engaged. Now, let me tell you something about their engagement. Their engagement was very different from our engagement. Most people get engaged now, and that's just kind of a way to appease the girlfriend, you know, to, to kind of like, like, hey, we're going to get married. Well, I'm not sure when, but, 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 you know, we're halfway there, right? And when you get engaged, all it means is that it's a step above um, dating, right? But in the times of Jesus, being engaged was a legal binding contract. And they normally got married a year before they got the, the, the actual wedding. And during this period, they were married. They just didn't act married. They didn't have sex. They didn't live together. They didn't buy things together. They were married, but they didn't become one until the wedding. By the way, I believe that when Jesus says that unless that divorce is permitted, only when there is betrayal, I believe that it's only during this period. We'll talk about that another day. Okay? But, but this is what's going on. Yes, they weren't married, but they were engaged. How would you have responded if you were Joseph? When Joseph hears that Mary is pregnant, I guarantee you that he is brokenhearted. He is a 
He is upset. But here's what we know about the story. Joseph doesn't retaliate. Joseph doesn't take vengeance. Joseph doesn't get bitter. So when resentment wanted to settle in Joseph's heart, how did Joseph respond to that resentment? You know how he responded? He responded by choosing to offer grace and letting it go. If you want to have joy in your life, here's the second thing you need to choose. When you are hurt, when you are wounded, you need to choose to offer grace and let it go. Offer grace and let it go. Now, here's a thought I had. You know, God could have saved Joseph a lot of trouble if he had only told both of them at the same time. Right? But the Bible tells us that the angel first came to Mary, then later to Joseph. Right? Why didn't God just tell them at the same time? You know why? He did it intentionally. You know why God didn't tell them at the same time? Because God was testing Joseph's character. Wanted to see if Joseph would be graceful, if Joseph would be forgiving, if Joseph would be loving. Here's why. God is interested in our character. God is more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. Now, let me make a little pause here. I noticed something funny. Mary is struggling with fear and Joseph is struggling with anger. Sounds like a lot of marriages. Sometimes backwards, the... the the wife is angry, and, or the wife is resented, and the husband is angry. But let's look at how graceful and forgiving Joseph responded when resentment wanted to settle in his heart. Matthew 1.18, right there in your outlines. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, listen to this, was a righteous man and did not want to what? He didn't blast her on Facebook. <laughs> he didn't unfriend her on, on Instagram. It says that Joseph did not want to disgrace her in public. Now, you have to understand this. In the times of Jesus, not because the Bible said so, but because the culture, that's what the culture was, women were a commodity. Women were not treated as individuals. Jesus came to change that. Jesus came to give women a place to value them, to elevate them. But women were a commodity. They, they, they were an object. So for Joseph to, to treat Mary as another human being, spoke greatly about the kind of man that he was. So look at what he decided to do. So he decided to break the engagement, what? Quietly. Question for you. Who has hurt you, did you? Who has hurt you? You know who they are. Are you still holding on to the hurt? Because if you are, you're going to have a hard time having joy. If you're holding on to resentment, you're going to have a hard time having joy. Can I tell you this with all due respect? 
Resentment is pointless. Resentment doesn't change anything, and it doesn't change anyone. Resentment is a poison that the only person it affects is you. When people hurt us and we hold back that resentment, you know, we're, 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 we're bitter, we're angry, and they're out there having Chuck E. Cheese. They're out there having the joy, having the time of their life, and you are making yourself bitter. You have to understand this. Resentment doesn't damage other people. It damages you. It makes you bitter and it makes you angry. And resentment, here's the thing about resentment. Resentment is about hurts in the past. And what's in the past cannot continue to hurt you unless you allow it. And every time you are resentful, you are allowing the people that have hurt you in the past to hurt you in the present. So I want to tell you what one of Disney's most popular movies sings. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Come on, let it go. Man, listen. Listen, I know what you're thinking. But pastor, they don't deserve forgiveness. I know. I know. I get it. They don't. They don't deserve. But forgiveness is not about deserving it. Okay? And two things about deserving forgiveness. Neither did you and Jesus offered it to you. We didn't deserve. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we were good people. He died because we are not good people. And by the way, forgiveness is not about the other person. It is about you. It is a choice that sets you free. It is a choice that allows you to have joy. It is a choice that allows you to heal. You know, I consider myself a very forgiving person. I really do. Lorena would tell you about it. I, 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 and, and, and forgiving is not natural to me. I had to learn to forgive people. As a pastor, you have to learn to forgive people. Because, yes, we hurt people, but people also hurt you. You know? And I remember at first it was very difficult, but now it's not that difficult because it's something that I've understood. Here's the part that got me, okay? Jesus died so that I would be forgiven and so that I could be restored into a relationship with the Father. That's the gospel, right? Well, shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we forgive people and seek to restore the relationships whenever possible? Right? Let's continue the story because they told me I only have four minutes. After deciding this, Matthew verse 20 and 21, after deciding this, after deciding to respond with grace and forgiveness, listen to this, after he decided, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, the baby that Mary is carrying really is from the Holy Spirit. So go ahead and marry her. And when the baby is born, name him Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Here's the cool thing that I like about Joseph. Because Joseph didn't get bitter and resentful. He got blessed. Resentment will steal your blessings. What blessing did Joseph get? You know what blessing Joseph got? He got to raise the son of God. 
He got to be the stepdad to the savior of the world. And God gave him that privilege because Joseph demonstrated it with the choices that he made, with the character that he had. There are blessings that are hindering, that, that, that I'm sorry, not hindering, that are hinging on your character. And God is interested in your character. So, so I just want to wrap this up. You know, are you anxious? Are you hurting? You need a savior. We all need a savior. And the only savior available to us is Jesus Christ. In fact, his name means savior. And this Christmas, this is why I love Christmas. Because Christmas reminds us of, of the savior, of the second chance, of the new opportunity that is available to us. And if you are hurting, if you are anxious this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me the prayer that David made in Psalms 51.12. And look at what it says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to what? I believe that only Jesus can do this because only Jesus is the Savior of the world. And here's the thing. We all need a Savior this morning. Because we can't save ourselves. You won't overcome the guilt. You won't overcome the anxiety. I'm sorry. You won't overcome the resentment on your own. You need a Savior. And that is why Jesus came. If you're afraid, I believe that God is here inviting you to trust Him. To restore the joy in your life. If you're hurting, I believe God can extend grace to you and restore your joy. And maybe you're here this morning and you're far from God. Maybe you know about God, but you don't have a relationship with God. And I want to tell you that there's a Savior available to you who came and was born as a baby and grew up as a man and died a holy man for you so that you could be restored to the Father. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.